0: November 15th, 2021. We're in Mas'echet Rosh Hashanah, daf yodale da seven lines from the bottom. Two words before the end of the line, the Gemara cites from the Mishnah, Be'ehad Bishvat, Rosh Hashanah la If you recall the Mishnah, the end recorded a mahlok a dispute between Be'chama and Be'tila. What's the Rosh Hashanah? La Ilan, according to Beit Shammai, the 1st of Shivat, according to Beit ilel the 15th of Shivat, and the Gemara will immediately pick up with a two-word question, Ma'ita Ama, what's the reason? In other words, if we're basing ag- agriculture based on Aleph Tishrei, we saw Shemitin, Yovlot, Ma'aser, uh, we saw uh, Ma'aser Yerakot, we saw uh, most things, most matters when it comes to the growth in the ground was determined based on the 1st of Tishrei. Why is it that when it comes to the fruits of trees, it's different? The answer is the Gemara Amar bi the Azar Amar bi Ho'il v'Yaseu Rov Gishmeshana ve'Adain Rov tekufa mi Baputz. Let's read the initial words and then deal with the second part of the sentence in just a moment. The question, more than anything, is not about the 1st or the 15th. The question is why the month of Shivat as opposed to the month of Tishrei, the difference between the 1st and the 15th, will have to do with the technical detail, becha betilil, as to when this reality truly sets in. But the statement is that the majority of the rain season has already passed and in turn when we look at a fruit tree as opposed to a vegetable plant a fruit tree we envision or we know has the water stored within In other words, we go based on rainwater with regards to the growth of a tree. The sap, which is in turn within the tree, then sustains the tree. So when we deal with a tree's maturity, we deal with the period known as Hanata. Hanata is before you see fruits. It's when the flowers fall off of the branches of the tree and we know the fruits are coming. Why do we go based on that period? And we explained this in the past when we were talking about vegetables. In contrast to vegetables which are sustained and nurtured by a constant water stream or watering that they receive, when it comes to a tree, a tree soaks in that water and as a result, once says the Gemara for us, once the majority of the rain season has passed, we assume it's the time period of Hanata. We now assume the tree has received the, the amount of water it needs, the potential it needs to now sprout forth, and as a result, that's in the month of Shabbat. Of course, the rain season starts around this time. It's in the middle of Heshvan that the rain season, according to the Hachamim, begins. Uh, so you're, when once you're in Shabbat, you're already a majority past because it'll span until Nisan. And that's the statement in turn. Again, Ma'ita'ama, what's the reason that we're going to go based on Shabbat? just read the first words over here with me since already have left us the majority of the rains of the year that's the way we envision it from the middle of Heshvan all the way through the beginning of Nisan is the uh, rain uh, rain periods that half of the year or so, and as a result, once he got to Shivat the majority's out. Continues the statement, however, Adain rov tekufami The truth is, though, the winter season uh, still has uh, some way to go. In other words, we're still in the middle, or we're beginning to a certain extent, the, what's called in other words, we have fall and winter seasons, and until we make our way till around Nisan, we, until we make our way even further, we're still in the middle of this season, so the statement over here goes as follows, it's a hard statement to swallow, and the Gemara I'll question it in just a moment, it goes like this, well the reason we go based on Shivat is because the rain season is for all intents and purposes, majority behind us, continues the statement, and The winter season is still ahead of us. Uh, What type of statement is that? If you're talking about the growth of the trees, you're talking about the rain. Uh, Why are you talking about the seasons? And if anything, you're making the argument against saying that Shivat should be the significant time period. Because if you look at the trees and they're bare, or you look at the weather and it's cold, that's a reason to say we should wait until next Yishrei. That's a reason to say you should start at Nisan or something like that. So again, those next words, <laughs> the majority of the Tkufa of that wintry season is out there, what type of statement is that? You're contradicting yourself. You're making the argument against it being in Shivat, Rosh Hashanah La Ilanot. Let me pause for a second and just be clear again. What does it mean when we say Rosh Shana La Ilanot? I know we enjoy it in today's day and age with lots of fruits at our table, and so forth, we sing songs, and we rejoice on that day. What does it mean that it's Rosh Hashanah Le'ilan? It's just a halachic determination. It has to do with when we determine Ma'asir, it has to do with when we'll determine Orla, when we're going to determine uh, That's what, That's what Rosh Hashanah Le'ilanot, I'm sorry to take away from the festivities of the day, but halachically speaking, when the Mishnah talks about it being Rosh Hashanah Le'ilanot, it's not about partying on that day, it's not about enjoying... I don't know, the Caribs and whatever else they, we have on that day. It's about determining ma'asrot. Why is it today that we've turned it into this uh, two bishvat seder of sorts? The answer is that the Kubalim Several thousand years after the time of the Gemara, developed such a uh, such a minhag. Maran already has one reference to it in his Beit Yosef and Karo, but uh, in his time period, in the late 16th century into 17th century, that's when the Kabbalistic underpinnings of this day became to became a reality for us. Prior to that, this isn't something that we did. It wasn't something in practice. It was very strict and very static and very bland the day of uh, Tu Bishvat. But today, Tu Bishvat has taken on a whole new life. Of course, after we reclaimed Erez Yisrael in 1948, we're even more excited about Tu Bishvat, pro- probably than ever beforehand. But back to our Gemara. What's this statement? Rov te mi says the Gemara. Mai amar. What are you stating? You have two statements. One which seemingly contradicts the other. First, you told me the tree is done. Done, not done, majority done in terms of its nutrients, of water, because the majority of the rain season's behind it. But then right afterwards, you told me, but the winter season's really right up ahead, still in the midst of it, in the thick of it. Here's the statement. FLP. You have to add those three words in the middle. FLP, even though, which my rabbi used to say is an apology, which means to say we're apologizing mid-sentence over here, right? A statement is the rain season is majority behind us, parentheses, even though we're still in the thick of the winter. So the statement in turn goes like this. Why Shivat? Why not Tishrei? Why not any other month? The answer, because we go based on majority of rain. Why are we going based on majority of rain? It's a tree we're dealing with. A tree is going to be sustained by the rain which it takes in and the sap which it produces in order to bring forth the growth. But wait a second, there's lots of winter up ahead that's right, FLP, that doesn't bother me, because technically speaking, although you might not see it, or might not feel it, what's taking place in this tree is once it's soaked up that water, the majority of the water behind it, we're now up to a new stage, the next stage in the growth of that tree. So as the Gemara Tanura Banan Abberaita tells a story, Ma'aseh, don't get too excited. Ma'aseh b'rbi'akiva etrog b'shevat. is on the 1st of Shevat. Well, that's an interesting date. 1st of Shevat, if you're a Beit Shammai Jew, so then you're already into your next year. 1st of Shevat, if you're a Beit Ileil Jew, so then you have to wait until the 15th. So well, that's already an interesting date. Uh, now, uh, what will become clear in just a moment in the Gemara is this was going from year two into year three, Why is that significant? Well, we've stated and discussed already year two in terms of maaser, you would take in addition to your maaser rishon, the first tenth, which you gave to a Levi, you took maaser sheni, which you enjoyed in Jerusalem. On year three, in addition to your maaser rishon, which was a constant, we gave to the levim, enjoy it. Uh, we gave maaser ani, we gave it to poor people. So the determination of what year it is is a question of who's getting that second maaser. So we're going from year two into year three. What do I mean by that? According to Beit Shammai, on the first of Shivat, you're already on year three. And as a result, the second Maaseh should go to the aniim. According to Beit Ilayel, since the 15th is up ahead, 15 days off, Rabbi Akiva, by picking fruits off of your Etrog trees, you're effectively still in year two. It's going to be Maaseh Sheni. So Rabbi Akiva, what's your determination? Of course we follow Beit Ilayel, right? It says the Gemara, it says the Beraita, maaser Akiva, beshevat, bo shene isurin. He gave two maasehs. Of course, maaseh rishon, that's not what we're referring to. We're referring to Maasir sheni and maaseh ani. shema Israel. That's both bet Shema and Beit it appears. As adds to Hosea, it can't be that he did the following. It cannot be that he took Maasir sheni, excuse me, Maserishon. rishon, Put that aside. Gave it to Joey Lee. Then he took Maaser Sheni, put it aside. He's going to bring it to Jerusalem. Then he took another third and gave that to the Anim Kemptiso. Sights Safot from the Gemaran Masechet Eruvin. There's no such thing. The Halakha is, uh, the Halakha is. Um, what's the exact words? Amarbe b'maaserot hen the gemara, maser, the gemara says that if you're Marbib ma'asrot, if you give too many ma'asrot, the Gemara ma'asrotha te'iruvin, ma'asrotav mikulkalin, the halakha on those second or third, whatever, the later ma'asir, is me'kulkal. You gave that now to the poor people, they're eating Tevil. you made a mistake by giving it to them. It can't be that's the reality. It can't be that Akiva in the most simple sense, took ma'asir ishon, and then ma'asir shini, and then ma'asir, it can't be the case. So what is the case? A little technical goes like this it must be says Tosafot right here the bottom Tosafot that what happened was Rabbi Akiva first took his Maaser Rishon gave it to Joey Levy then he finished his Maase Rishon he took Maaser Sheni as if it was year two following the opinion of Beti Leil he then did what's called the Pidyon the value of all of those Maasrot of my Etrogim is X amount of money $1,000 I took a thousand dollars, I put it on the side and I did a pidyon, the fruits now I can consume, not so fast says Rabbi Akival, now take those fruits and give them to the aniyim so you understand what he did, it's not that he gave extra fruits, it's that he played a game with his fruits, he took the fruits initially the second set of them, he uh, separated them as ma'aseh he did pidyon, he redeemed them with money, took the money, put it on the side, he'll bring that up to Jerusalem, enjoy it with his family, and then he took those fruits and he gave it to the poor people, that's what Rabbi Akiva did. Okay, well that's the statement that is the practice, that's the story of Rabbi Akiva. It ends there and now we uh, we, we now uh, take it apart. Says so the Gemara what's the reasoning? Now that's the Beraitah. The Beraitah doesn't explain the reasoning over here as to why Rabbi Akiva did it, but rather we will now to suggest the reason Rabbi Akiva did this, did so was he wanted to be Mahmir. He wanted to cover all his bases. First and foremost, like Beit Assuming that the first of Shabbat is year number three, he took Ma'asir, well, he ultimately speaking gave Maasir Ani. And secondly, like Betilel, assuming we're still in year two, because we need to wait for the 15th in order to hit our cutoff, he took it as if it was Ma'asir Sheni. Says so the Gemara, and we're gonna, uh, before you get nervous about that, what sort of humra is this, bet We have, time is coming. Which part? The Gem. The Gemara will challenge, oh you, you're asking just technically how he did it? hundred percent. Nathan says in the sur- in the suggestion of Tosafot of how he did this. Once he took Pidyon so what's that? the money is what has Maasir status on it, and the fruits are Hulin The fruits were already koshered. The answer is it's a Humran You could still give it for siddakah I mean, the are able to enjoy it. So he seems to be just nervous for both opinions, and he found a way to do it. It does work, ultimately speaking. I did give siddakah from my produce. It maybe wasn't taking from table, Something but that was, was, was not come. It, 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 it wouldn't be asur in such a circumstance. The isur was only—it was only if before pidyon you gave it like that. He found a way out of this. He found a way those to anyway, know, you An, pidyon, you it, out. Those and you throw enjoy. Them, no, 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 no. You enjoy Once you did pidyon, you redeem them. You gave them life, and you buy fruit food with that. You eat them. You sell them. Whatever you want with them. Yeah. All right, well, says the Gemara, the Gemara will get nervous about other issues. The Gemara, of course, will get nervous about, I thought we follow Beit Hilel. What's with the Beit Shammai and Beit Hilel? However, continues the Gemara, it says, Rabbi Bar Yehuda Omer, it's the Beraita still, Lo minhag Beit Shammai Beit Hilel nahag ba, Ela minhag Rabban Gamliel. Suggests in the bar Yehuda, the fear, the Humrah of Bi'akiva was because of a different issue, not because of Betshamai Betilel. Of course, he went like Betilel. Of course, he went like Betilel. Well, then, of course, the ma'aseh that he's taking should not be going to poor people. It should be rather ma'aseh Ishini. The issue, says Rabbi Yose bar Yehuda, and again, we're all just trying to figure out what was going on in the mind of Rabbi Akiva. We know the we know the story. I mean, we know these sorts of stories all the time. A rabbi does something, everybody watches them, and there's six interpretations as to why they did what they did, the famous, whether it happened or not is not significant story with Rav Moshe Feinstein as he was at some conference or some can't be a wedding because they had milk on the table and it was delwood milk in front of him of some excuse me not delwood milk it was a golden flow some halav israel milk or something like that he picked it up and everybody was watching him, maybe taking pictures then he put it down and he took a different box and he filled his whatever he like a coffee or something like that and everybody said it must be that Rav Moshe Feinstein says that the kashrut on one of these companies is no good when they Turned to him and asked him, "What is the issue with it?" Of course, he said, "No, that box that I picked up was empty, and I had to take from the other." <laughs> so you know, that's that's what you're dealing with always. You watch; it's important always. rav is always important. But to derive halakhot from activities outside of context without being privy to all the information is always difficult. Well, that notwithstanding says the Gemara, I have a different interpretation of Biyoseb bar Yehuda. The, the mahloket that Rabbi Akiva was being mahmir for was not Beit Shema'i, but rather Rabban Gamliel and Rabbi Li'ezer. Who are they? Well, we know they're rabbis. Titnan, as the Mishnah will tell us, etrog, when I'm dealing with an etrog, specifically an etrog tree, etrog fruit, It has status with regards to its halachot, in several ways like other fruit trees, like other fruits, and in one way perhaps like a vegetable. Before we even read onward, why would you argue that an etrog is in any way like a vegetable? An etrog, of course, is a tree, it's a fruit, it looks like a lemon, it tastes like a lemon. Is that? The argument is, Rashi quotes from the Gemara at the beginning of Masechet Kiddushin, that, that etrog trees, it, it can't be always, because I saw the hazonish uh, etrog tree in front of his home in Bnei Brak. but generally speaking, Speaking, it was gadil al rov ma'im. It would be grown next to river streams, which means to say, contrary to the apple tree, to the pomegranate tree, and the other fruit trees that we've been talking about, which are sustained by rainwater, the vision when it comes to etrog trees is you had to water it, or it would be planted next to water. For example, along those lines, the gemaran Masechet Sukkah, when it's testing why is an etrog an etrog, in other words, the Torah never tells us what a piri is. It's some sort of exotic. Beautiful fruit. How do you know it's this? So, of course, the answer is it's Perush Moshe Rabbeinu. We have Masoret, that that's the definition. Haramba makes this clear in Perusha Mishnayot. There are certain things, certain statements in the Torah, we don't have discussions and debates about them. This is what it means. And that's it. Moshe gave us the words of God and he gave us the interpretation. There's no Torah to debate that. One of them is Etrog, but the Gemara challenges. How can you point to those words, Periyetz hadar and argue that it means Etrog? One of the interpretations is it's Milashon Idur, which apparently in I think Greek says the Gemara in a different language, I think it's Yavani in Greek, is water, which means to say Hadar is Milashon Idur water. What is a, what does an etrog tree have to do with water? It grows next to the water. It's dar it has its way of growing like that. That's the reason you would envision this tree being a little bit different and maybe having a status where it borrows halachot of vegetables. After all, that's what we've said, is the difference between fruits and vegetable trees in our halacha discussion, right? When it comes to vegetables, uh, plants, that you need to constantly uh, water them. That's like an etrog. On the other hand, when it comes to etrog, when it comes to fruit trees, they're sustained by the rainwater. Anyway, that being the case, says the Mishnah, There are three categories of halacha in which an etrog will have the status, like an ilan, like other fruits, and one category where it's similar to a yerek, where it's similar to a uh, vegetable. Shaveh ilan b'shalosh derachim. one of the three areas where you'll say an etrog is just like fruits, or orla of course is the first three years of a tree. You're not allowed to enjoy and not allowed to eat from it. Now how am I determining the cutoff point for those first three years of an etrog tree. Is it like a fruit tree, 15th or first of Shevat, Or is it like a vegetable, first of Tishrei? Well, the statement is, Le'Ola just like a fruit. Revay is the fourth year. Fourth year, all the produce needs to be brought up to Yerushalayim and eaten there, right, from that tree. Well, in that circumstance, what's the cutoff after the fourth year? Is it the first of Tishrei? or is it the 1st of Shivat, or, or the 15th of Shivat? That's the halakha as well, it goes based on the fruit tree, it's, it's considered like a fruit tree. Ve'la shevi'it, of course, this is with regards to Shemitah. What is the cutoff with regards to envisioning this as having been grown, and now, saying on the seventh year, it was grown on the sixth year, or alternatively, it was grown on the seventh year. Again, these three ways in trog is equivalent in its laws to ilan, to ilan meaning like a peri, Uli however, it has the status of a vegetable, meaning it's going to go based on the first of tishrei, or better yet, it's going to go based on picking. It's going to go, right? That's what we said. When you deal with a yerek, it doesn't go based on hanakah. It goes based on picking. ehad shebisha'at lekitato isuro. Maaser will be determined not by its growth, but rather based on its picking. Well, if we were to pause right there and say that Yerik has the status based on when it's picked, what would the halacha be in our Akiva circumstance? Keep in mind our Rabbi Akiva circumstance, he picks it on the, on the first of Sheva. Let's keep that in mind for a moment. That's divrera bangamliel. Rabbi Yezer, Omer, etrog shavele ilan, the alternatively says, an etrog, an etrog is equivalent to an ilan, to, to fruit, on all matters, meaning we won't care about when it was picked. Says, says Rabbi Yosef bari Yehuda, perhaps that's the issue that was at play, that was at stake in the Akiva's world over here. On the one hand, he was envisioning this tree as an etrog tree. Uh, well, I have a between mahluket of Or should I consider it like a vegetable, or should I alternatively envision it like a fruit? If I envision it like a vegetable, picking it on the first of Shabbat, well, in such a circumstance, I picked it on the first of Shabbat, I'm now going to determine my Ma'asir based on the Date on which I picked it. We'll come back to that in just a few moments. Alternatively, if I don't go based on when I pick it, but rather based on when it was ripened, well then I'll 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 render a different a a, a different conclusion over here. In other words, just I'll, I'll flesh it out for you in a moment. The two the humrot that Rabbi Akiva practiced. Was based on this Mahlokil, not the Mahlokil of B'et Shammai Let me flesh it out. The truth is, it's confusing right now without the Gemara up ahead. But, but stated as, as simply as I can at this juncture, it goes like this The fact that Rabbi Akiva picked it on the first of Shevat will now determine it as this coming year's produce. Why will it determine it? Because I'm going to consider it like a vegetable and it was picked on this date. Of course, you last... Uh, only, that's right. That's the question of the the head. That's, that's why I said it's going to get sticky over here. Says Jesse, it sounds a lot like Bet Shemai. Right? Because you're picking it after the first of Shabbat. You're determining it like Bet Alternatively, according to Betilil, even though you picked it then, you picked it in the previous year. Okay, important question. That's what it appears to be at this point. Let's go with that for the <laughs> current moment. Um, then the fact that he's being mahmir like Betty Leila as well means that although I picked it then, when was the full growth? When was the hanata? The hanata was perhaps in the previous year. The hanata was not betilev, but based on the other opinion, the hanata, the growth was in the previous year prior to picking it, and as a result, he picked it on the first of Shabbat going with Bet Shammai. He now is into the next year, and he's going to pick. He's going to have to give a third year, meaning Ma'asir ani. Alternatively, since that, since uh, since it grew, it had its uh, it had its hanata. The flowers fell off before the aleph bish. Halacha would be in such a circumstance that it goes based on year two, and he'd have to give Masishini shini Or we, are we uh, was I clear enough on that? Let me say it one more time, a little bit more clearly. Where uh, our vision has to be at this point that he's following the opinion of Beit Shammai. The question, however, is Aleph bishvat is the cutoff with regards to when I pick it before or on Aleph bishvat, or when it matured to the extent that the flowers fell off before Aleph bishvat. On the one hand, the flowers fell off before Aleph Bishvat, which would mean year two, meaning I'm taking Maaseh Sheni. He says, Rabbi Akiva, I need to give Sheni. On the other hand, I picked it only after the beginning of Aleph Bishvat. Therefore, I'll be determining this based on the next year, year three, I'll have to give Maaseir Ani. That's what the suggestion of the Biosei Bar as to why Rabbi Akiva did this. Okay, before we go onward on this, the Gimara pauses. And it'll bring us back to discussing Is he really following Beit Shammai in that determination, as Jesse pointed out. But wait a second, this whole two humrot business is a little surprising specifically. specifically. Specifically, not because he can't be (laughs) mahmir. Tachmir However, the humrot over here are self-contradictory. In other words, it's not just that I'm being careful in this realm and I'm being careful in another realm. The question is, how are you determining the year of the tree? It can't have two years. It's self-contradictory, your activities. You're determining it both a year two and a year three tree, that is difficult. For example, we'll cite in Rashi, the following example within the context of Bet Shammai To be Mahmir, you could be Mahmir. However, what about the following circumstance? How do I determine on the one hand, the status of a full Shidrai, full skeleton of a human being under a roof, which will in turn impart Tuma, which is a problem for everyone today, specifically for Kohanim. How many vertebrae does that skeleton need to be missing in order to consider it not complete and in turn not imparting the same sort of Tum'ah? There's a machlok between Beit and Beit says if it's missing even one vertebrae, vertebra, one part of the, the spine, it's already invalidated, it's not a full body and as a result doesn't impart Tum'ah. Kula, right, that's a leniency. Bet-Chamayi says, no, you need two of those, uh, two of those are missing. Uh, Well, what about in the context of an animal? not a human being, an animal, an animal which is alive. And we all are familiar with the halacha, that taref, if there's an animal which would be dying anyway. In other words, it has in it some blemish, some illness which would render it as a result terefa, even if you slaughtered it kosher, it's not kosher, it's taref. That's why we open it up and we check it out. You know, once upon a time in a very real way, you'd actually see the, the butcher do that. Well, in such a circumstance, they have the identical mahloket. Let's think about the mahloket over there. According to Beti Leil, if it's missing just one vertebrae, what's the halacha? Taref, Humrah now. According to Beit it's only if it's missing two. It says, uh, it says the Gemara elsewhere, I wanna be mahmir. I wanna say when it comes to a human being and his vertebrae under the roof, I'm gonna go like Beit Two vertebrae, if it's even missing one, only missing one, I'm tame. When it comes to the vertebrae of the animal, when I came and I checked it, I'm going to be mahmir over there, I'm going to go like beti lele. even if it's missing one, it's tarekh. That's self-contradictory. That's nonsense, the Gemara will say. What is an incomplete skeleton? You can be mahmir as much as you like. What is the year over here? when you have? So that's what the Gemara will question right now. Let me be, again, very careful to explain to you. The Gemara is not nervous about the fact that he's mahmir. Could be Mahmir. The Gemara's problem is that the Humra is a self contradictory. It sounds silly. What is the status? What year is this? You can't tell me, you could tell me I'm uncertain who the halakha follows. The Gemara, Tosafot points out, assumes that Rabbi Akiva knows the Halacha follows Betilil. Well, that being the case, why is he being Mahmir for Bet Shammai? I'm not really certain because now you have a self. If you told me, I'm uncertain if it's year two year three. Okay. <laughs> However, if you're being Mahmir, it's year two and year three. You're being Mahmir, it's incomplete and complete. This uh, very hard to understand. Says the Gemara uh, with that introduction. Can you really take on two self contradictory humrot stringencies? Vahatanya. Doesn't the Beraita teach us? Halakha is like Beti The Gemara Masechet Eruvin and Dafyod Gimala Mutbet says that for three years Bet Shammai and Beti disagreed with one another. Who's the halakha like? Who does the halakha follow until a bat Kol, a heavenly voice, emanated, reverberated, and stated Halacha ke Beti Well, that being the case, Le'olam Halacha ke Beti However, I don't say La'asot, Kidivre Bet Shammai, Oseh. Kidivre Beti Leil, Oseh. One second. <laughs> Talk about self contradictions. What about this Beraitah? HaRachah like bet However, you want to do like Beit you're okay. what? What type of statement? Says Rashi, quoting from the Gemara, uh, says, uh, maybe says the Gemara over there, the, the, you have to split this statement over here. The statement goes as follows. Halachas like Betilel. once we have the heavenly voice. Prior to the heavenly voice, uh, well, they're either like Beit or Beit That's the answer of the Gemara, okay? That's one answer. The Gemara happens to give Rashi, doesn't cite the other answer. The Gemara gives a different answer. It's a question of whether you listen to heavenly voices or not if you follow and you listen to heavenly voices however if you don't listen to heavenly voices like be in allah could be like Bechamai. okay irrespective of that here again now here's the key lines for us what about in a self-contradictory circumstance I repeat again so the vertebrae the skeleton I'm going to go like the kulav betile when it comes to the human being, and I'm going to go like the kulav betchamai when it comes to the animal. But you can't do that. They're disagreeing about the identical. What type of person are you, rasha? You're a wicked person because you know you're self contradicting yourself, but you want to be Mekil. You can't do so. Mehumre betchamai, mehumre betile. What about mahmir? You're a silly person who's walking in darkness because it's true. You have all your stringencies now. Explain to me your stringencies. What type of life is this? You can't explain what you're doing. Is it year two or is it year three? It's uh, both. What do you mean it's both? There's no such thing. Rather, uh, rather you have to choose in self-contradictory circumstances, like betilel or like betchamai, both for their kulot. And for the Chumrot, why do I keep repeating to you that it's when it's self-contradictory? Because people, because people have this in my mind, misinformed conception of uh, "asele charav." Asele charav is not a statement of there's one Rabbi and one authority whom I should and must follow. There is no such thing. That's Even with Shohan Aruch and Hacham Vadia Yosef, let's talk about something like Hacham Vadia Yosef. You'd imagine, he tells us all the all the time, Halakha Kimaran, that's fantastic and it's true. However, there are many, beyond dozens, hundreds of places where he's Posik against Shohan Aruch, how could it be Posik against Shohan Aruch? I thought you told me, Aseh Lecharav. The answer is, Aseh Lecharav is a statement about methodology, you and me, were not determining methodology, we might not be determining the halakha, but if you're a posek halakha, if you're a person who's determining halakha, you're not just grabbing one opinion, you're grabbing one opinion and you're developing the methodology, the approach to that opinion, and as a result you'll find in the Gemara, you'll find throughout the generations down to a rabbi who's very consistent, who will not always be following the one stated authority, it's just the way it works, I recently there's a rabbi who's been visiting the knees well, I'm giving him Giving him a uh, a pitch, uh, Rabbi Muradi brought a book that his uh, that his son-in-law, Rabbi Yaakov Sasson, grandson of Chacham Vadia Yosef, published. In it, there are several stories. One of the stories, many stories, this is the third volume of Abir Haroim, its a biography of Chacham Vadia Yosef. Listen to the following story and understand it in our context without going too far on it. Said that there was a granddaughter of Hacham Vadya Yosef, who uh, was in a uh, she was in labor or she was pregnant, and there was a dangerous situation. The doctor said that it needs to have an abortion. She needs to have an abortion, otherwise it'll be danger dangerous to her or the baby won't come out healthy. I don't remember the specifics. Came to the grandfather Hacham Vadya Yosef, and he said baby's going to be okay, I'm guaranteeing it, I'm going to pray for you, and so forth, whatever. I'm sure he looked at all the details and the situation, and so it was. And uh, she she doesn't listen to the doctors, gives birth to a healthy baby, and so forth. The second, it's a few years later, a second time, a different granddaughter, or married to a grand, a mari, uh, excuse me, a granddaughter married to, Someone outside the family. So she, she comes to the rabbi and has the same type of situation. as says, I know a few years ago we had a similar situation. My understanding over here is not exactly the same. I will tell you, there is an opinion, Sitz Rabbi Voldenberg, that you could get an abortion in this circumstance based on your situation. However, I'm not I think you should be stringent. She went back, told her husband, or her husband listened to Chacham and her husband had a different rabbi. His name was Chacham Benziona Bashel. He goes to the, uh, his rabbi. And he tells him, this is what happened, this is what Rabbi Obadiah Yosef said, and I'm not certain, and whatever. And so the rabbi says to him, well... I understand that Hacham Vajah told you to be Mahmir, but he did mention as well, as a verified opinion, the lenient opinion, that of Rabbi Waldenberg of Sitz I'm telling you for your circumstance, since the rabbi already told you, it's part of our game. He's on the he's on the board over here. You could follow that opinion as well. You could be lenient. That's a shocking story. Okay. P.S. It says it didn't it didn't come up because the, she abor- she she naturally aborted. The baby came out uh, without a regular birth. Well. Well, that being the case, I, I ask you again, what type of circumstances? That's not the way halacha works. Halacha is, if the rabbi told you act. And generally speaking, it's the way it will work, especially for us And when we're just asking questions. However, when a posek halacha is determining an approach to a matter, he needs to have a view, a vision of everything that's out there. He needs to determine it with the proper lenses. That's asel charaf That's in turn, and our Gemara, as Rashi points out, it's not because you're Mahmir and Mahmir or mekil and mekil. If that's the determination that the posek halacha has in his l'shem shamayim approach of halacha, then that's a proper approach. Approach to the matter. It's when it's self contradictory. It's when I'm Mahmir over here by saying it's year two and I'm Mahmir over here and saying it's year three. Well, which one is it? If you have a Mahmir on both ends, okay. If you have a Kulam on both ends, okay. It's when it's self contradictory. Again, says the Gemara, how is it possible that Rabbi Akiva was Mahmir to the extent that he seems to be a Kisil he seems to be an individual who's almost silly, walking in the darkness, says the Gemara, Rabbi Akiva, Gemara It's not that Rabbi Akiva wanted to just take it be Mahmir on both ends. Gemara milashon Gemara. His learning, he was misupaken. He was uncertain about. In other words, he was uncertain. We have it now in a Mishnah, which is codified at the beginning of our Mas'ech. What's the halacha according to Beit the fifteenth? Rabbi didn't have those words as clearly in front of him. He didn't have a written Mishnah. He wasn't certain. In other words, he was uncertain whether Rabbi opinion was the 15th or the 1st. That's a safik. Now it's not a problem. So that's right. He was uncertain whether this is year 2 or year 3. Keep in mind, he picks it on the 1st of Shvat. He wasn't certain. Did the rabbis, Rabbi he didn't have anyone to turn to. Did Rabbi say that it's the 1st of Shvat? is the cutoff, or the 15th of Shabbat. So he didn't sit down and determine, well, Beit says 1, Bet Shammai says, excuse me, Bet Shammai says 1, Beit says 15. Let me now establish this as a year 2 and 3. No such thing. That's a kisil hodech Rather, he was uncertain. Is it 1 or is it 15? And therefore, he was machmir. Humrot, we never scoffed at. We never should scoff at. It's Humrot, which are self-contradictory. Not, safik, not in a circumstance where you're uncertain. I'm certain, but I want to Like both opinions when it contradicts one when one contradicts the other, that's what the Gemara says would have been and is inappropriate.